Another edition of Riders Up. And uh, I'm excited for this one because uh, this gentleman, I've been covering pretty uh, pretty seriously over the last few years at Sam Houston. And I've seen him win many races. He's made a lot of money for me. We've gone back and forth a little bit on social media, but never had the chance to actually sit down and talk. Talking with uh, Lane Luzzy here. And this is one of my favorite parts of the week where myself and Brian get to sit down and talk with some of the awesome riders out there and get to know them a little bit better Lane, my man, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, Gino. How are you? Oh, doing great. And uh, been loving seeing uh, the success that you've had over the last couple of years. Now, you weren't someone that was always in the, you know, the Midwest or the, the central part of the United States doing a lot of your riding. You are a, a New Yorker and you came up there. So for a lot of people, we kind of ask them, how did you get into riding? For you, it's kind of easy, right? It was dad and, and family were involved. For sure. I mean, being a jockey is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Um, I grew up around the racetrack, about a half mile from Belmont Park. So, you know, my life was centered around horse racing. And I basically grew up in a jockey's room. So, you know, this isn't new to me. This is kind of, you know, kind of my lifestyle more so than a career. So it's from a young age, it's really been the only thing I've been interested in, the only thing I've wanted to do. So was there a moment you're a kid and it's like, because I I remember sort of the same thing. My dad wrestled a lot and there's sort of a weird pressure on you when your parents do something where there might be times where you're even like, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Do you remember a time where you're just really like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to do now? Because it seemed like even in high school, you were already sort of on that direction. To be honest with you, Gino, I always wanted to be a jockey, but I was kind of afraid to tell anybody. Um, I was real good in school. I was good with sports, but uh, I just wasn't sure how my family would react to that news. And I remember one day I was actually at a wrestling tournament and I was so light. uh, Junior year, I was like 95 pounds. So I I had the body for it. I had the physique. 103? Is that uh, what you were wrestling? Yes, sir. And uh, I told my dad one day out of the blue and I was so nervous to break the news to him that's what i wanted to do but that's what my heart had said on it and uh here we are great and so i gotta ask uh because i'm very similar to that my grandfather uh rode horses at the fairgrounds he didn't ride competitively as a jockey very long he ended up settling here in kentucky uh exercise riding for calumet and ben jones back in the day so this is where he settled and uh you know, then he became a trainer on his own and, you know, nothing big, just a lot of low-level claimers running around Turfway and uh, River Downs and, and places like that. And But I was always around the track. Like, on the weekends, I couldn't wait because I knew I get to go spend the weekend with them and, and work around the horses. And I wanted to be a jockey. It's all I ever wanted to be growing up. I had the height for it at the time. I had the weight for it. Um, a- everything was in line. And when I said, Hey, I want to be a jockey. Like I, I, I want to ride like, and, and what, I guess what really irritated me is he also taught people how to ride. Like Charles Woods jr. Learned how to ride from my grandfather on his farm, I, you know? So he taught people how to ride. And, and I said, you know, that's what I want to do. And he's like, absolutely not. Never, never would I teach you how to ride. He's like, it's too hard of a game. I want you to do something with your life where you're not going to struggle. And, and like, 
it broke my heart as a kid because like I, I wanted to do that so bad. I still, you know, if I knew I could lose 70 pounds right now, uh, I, I'd, I'd try it again now at this age. But it's just it's interesting to see because you're not the first rider we've had on that's had family in it that encouraged it. Um I've yet to see one that discouraged it. So I guess maybe I was the only one, but you know, I stayed around the game. It's, it's a game I love. Uh, you know, I just wish one time I got that thrill of riding in a race and got that adrenaline rush. Um, Lane, we know for you, it was dad. Who else were some of the people early on in your career, either other riders or maybe trainers who helped you up, who put you up on horses, who gave you some opportunities? Um, well, my first job on the racetrack was for Mike Maker, and this is when Joe Sharp was the assistant over there, and he was the one that really got me started getting on horses. I had zero experience before I turned 16 with any kind of horses just because I grew up in the city. I grew up around the racetrack, but not hands-on with horses, so they got me my start, and then um, I got a job with Kieran McLaughlin when I turned 15, uh, 16, 17 years old. I would go ride at the track and then I would go right over to school right after that so for the years before I started riding from 16 17 18 I was super hands-on at the racetrack and with those guys it's now, awesome that's some good names to start with yeah <laughs> now when you start out you start out in you're in New York and then you kind of go down to, to Gulfstream sort of tell us a little bit about why you started there, and then how, why you, you felt like you needed to make the move somewhere else? Well, I, I actually I started in Maryland, and I had half my bug there, and I did really, really well. Um, I had an opportunity to go down and work with an agent who at the time had Tyler Gaffleone, and he had just won the Eclipse Award the year before I was riding. So to me, it just felt like a no-brainer. Um, I did very well. I got down there and broke my collarbone a week into being there, which kind of slowed my momentum. But um, by the time I lost my bug, business was very tough during the championship meet down there. I went back to Maryland and thought I could do real well because of the business I had. But again, it was slow. I won only 15 races my first year as a journeyman. And to be honest with you, I was kind of sour about, you know, the whole the whole deal. Um. I knew I had ability, but just the opportunities were so few and far between. I wanted to go somewhere where I could be a fresh face, where nobody knew me, where nobody knew my dad or anything along those lines. And I ended up here in Texas, and I really grinded out and had success so far. Yeah, that's that's interesting, too. Um, you know, we've we've talked to a lot of jockeys now, and it's when they lose that bug – like a lot of people don't understand you almost have to start completely over because you're getting a lot of mounts because you're, you've got the bug and you're getting this nice weight allowance. And then it's like, you lose that bug and you're back to square one and got to earn all that business back. It's not easy. So, sure. and, and, I mean, obviously the weight is a big thing. Um, is, is there anything special you do to make sure you keep weight? Are you a guy that has to really watch what they eat or work out tremendously to keep that weight? Because, like, obviously everybody's body's built different. We've talked to jockeys that are 5'10", that have no problems, and don't they'll eat whatever they want. And we've had jockeys that are 5'3", that have to watch everything they do or they lose, they gain too much weight. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. I, I'm able to eat what I want. In fact, after losing my bug, it was a little bit of a challenge for me to put weight on. And, uh, 
you just you get some people that you know they don't want you carrying a 20 pound saddle on their horse to make the weight and um you know that's an old theory and uh you know so i had to bulk up a little bit put a few pounds on but you know now i'm able to be healthy i i eat good eat whatever i want all the time so it's a blessing yeah, absolutely <laughs> so one thing i've noticed with you is um everyone has different strengths different weaknesses as a rider i don't care what level of horses it is top bottom there are a few people who get horses out on the front end and get them to relax and as comfortable as possible. Is that like something you know is a strength of yours? Is that something you try to do with horses even maybe? Because it, it feels like you get speed out of so many horses and get them in, in, in a good spot. And then other jockeys can sort of do the opposite, right? They can take a horse back, get them really comfortable, get them to relax. Not saying that you don't, but it seems like you are able to get more speed out of horses. Is Am I on the right page there? Is that something that you try to do or that you feel like you're doing? Um, I think if the opportunity is there, I like to take it. If it's there um, with the right horse. Uh, to me, a lot of the cheaper types of horses get brave on the front. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to adapt to that style. Yeah. Um, it depends. I If it's on the dirt, I could be a little more aggressive and get yep. away with it. Mm -hmm. I think so on the turf, I'm a little more, uh, I wouldn't say I like to take them back, but getting over to the rail in the first turn, I think is more important than being forwardly placed. That but, wide trip on the turf just doesn't work. Like sitting two or three wide, really, right? It's just, it's so hard. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it depends on what turf course you're on. At Lone Star, you could get a little away with it more than at Houston, for example, because of how speedy Lone Star's turf course is. So, you know, it, it, like I said, it depends where you are, what horse you're on. But I've always been told that I've been a pretty good gate rider. So, to me, if you break a length or two on top, that's such an advantage that it's it's hard to give up at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in, in touching on that, there, I mean, there's plenty of really good race riders that that I struggle with placing a wager on on a speed horse because they can't get the horse to relax up front. Um, and uh, you know, this is no criticism to this gentleman. This he's a fantastic rider, but but Giroux, when he has a speed horse it's almost like he struggles to get that horse to relax once it gets on the lead. And it almost appears like he's choking this horse down to get him relaxed. And, you know, as, as a gambler, as an owner, like you, you hate to see a horse being basically choked back. And I never see that with you. It's like, again, you get to the front and the horse just kind of goes and takes a deep breath and relaxes and you can see it. And it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. The guys that are good at it as yourself, it's amazing to watch. And other times it's like, oh, what are you doing, man? Can't you just get this horse to relax up front? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a, a happy medium. I, I mean, if the way I would look at it is they're 1,100 pounds. I'm a 111 pounds. So I'm not going to win that battle if we have one. So you kind of have yeah. a happy medium. They want to run. Speed horses want to run out of there. So you have to let them do it a little bit before you tell them no. Yep. Now, let's uh, let's talk. Uh, I guess while we're still talking racing, let's some some horses. Give us some, you know, from from either the beginning, either big stakes horses, horses that were meaningful, memorable that you've been on in the mornings. Some horses that hold a really special place in your heart. 
Um, I'll start with a horse named Mohamed. I used oh, to. Oh gall- yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh yeah. I used to gallop him when I was just learning, and at the time I was so green, I didn't know the difference between a a good horse and a not so good horse. And uh, you know, he he was one. Him and another one, Tamarcus. I used to get on <laughs> them every day, and I wow. mean. I was so spoiled at the time because I didn't know that they were, I mean, I knew they were good, but I didn't know that feeling. So I, I kind of look back and to ride horses at that level someday now as a jockey's the ultimate dream. But, um, you know, those were the ones that set the groundwork for me. Those are the ones that really showed me, you know, what good horses are supposed to be like. That's that's funny. You get you get that feeling right out of the right right as your start of what a great horse feels like underneath you, and you're like, oh, this is how they all feel. And then as yes. as you go on, you're like, ah, this one don't feel like Mohammed did underneath me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Let Let's get off the track a little bit for a minute. So when you're not at the track, um, any right now shows, movies uh music anything like that that you're really into uh to be honest I, I don't watch much tv uh i do like to play golf that's my hobby okay there we go i was gonna ask for sports next do you play other sports watch golf anything else or uh, tell us i i watch golf i watch hockey i, I watch baseball I'm, i i i love watching sports it's a you know me and my dad it's our way of you know, keeping up with one another is to watch the same game or something like that. But uh, I don't get to play so much anymore. I did growing up, but it's uh, golf is kind of the sport I would play. I feel like a lot of jockeys love golf. It's love. you know why? Because it's a discipline thing too. You you were talking about wrestling. You know, like I re- and there's a lot of crossover because of the weight training, the discipline. It's the one on one too right because it's not like a team sport when you're a jockey it's you you're out there by yourself it's sort of the same thing in wrestling it's the same thing in golf right it's just you yep and you know it's one of those sports that you could play anywhere you go with anybody of any Any size any any level any any handicap and it's it's so interesting and i do so much traveling for work that you go see so many new places so that's part of the fun for me all right, so so in in your golfing group of jockeys, who's the, who's the best jockey golfer that that you've played with? Oh man, that I've played with, you know, my dad he doesn't play as much anymore. But when when I was starting to play golf, he was very very good. But um, I got to say we have a solid group here that plays. I play with a few riders, uh, Garrett Steinberg, Floyd Wethy Jr. Well, that's kind of our group that we play twice a week if we can and we're all about the same so uh we keep one another busy it's Um, always fun so as far as some of your peers right now there are some damn good riders out there riding around when you watch other big races or you maybe it's at sam houston or at lone star remington some of the places you ride maybe it's other guys or gals around the country who are a few people that you really look up to and admire as some of the top riders right now, or maybe you see what they're doing and you try to maybe mimic some of their style or you think they're a good finisher. Give us some people that you look at and you, uh, and you really appreciate what they're doing right now. Um, I always look towards, you know, some of the older guys, like one of my favorites has always been John Velasquez. Yeah. I, I just think as an all around rider, he's just, he could be on the front, he could be in the back, 
grass turf. It, it just doesn't matter with him. And he's he's got such an old school style that uh, I, I never tried to mimic anyone's style because I, I kind of want to develop my own. I think that was the best way to get the most out of my potential. And it's still something I work on every day. But as a guy to, to watch how he rides a race, uh, Johnny V's probably one of my favorites for sure. It doesn't seem like he has very many weaknesses. Like what we were saying, right? No, he can, with any horse, any style, anywhere you want him to be, something happens to you in the race and you got to call an audible and adapt. Boom, like that's the guy you want, I think, on your horse. Talk about someone who's been through every situation. Yeah, and, and you think about too, Gino. I mean, you think about all these riders you'll hear or you'll see somebody tweet out like, oh, so-and-so just cost me that race. It's the last time you've seen Johnny V cost a horse a race. Like yeah, sometimes this horse just doesn't fire. It's not his fault, but it's like, he's never in a bad position. He's never not right where he should be. And it's like, it's all on the horse at that point. If the horse is good enough, it wins. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But he's one of those very few riders. You just never hear anybody say Johnny V got me beat today. Okay. So we know you've already been around Maryland, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma. What, Give us one or two of your favorite tracks to ride on so far, and maybe one or two that's on the bucket list, one that you, you want to ride on at some point. Yeah, uh, well, I I shipped into Saratoga as a bug, and that's kind of home for me now. My awesome. folks live there. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I know the whole experience being at the track, but I rode a few races there as a jockey, and that's just a total different experience. I mean – if you've never been, the whole town, it doesn't matter where you go, is centered around horse racing. And it's so hard to describe to someone who's never been because it's it, – it, I can hardly explain it. It doesn't matter where you go in town. There's horse racing photos on the wall, and you're really a celebrity when you're there and you're in the industry. And so let's say – ones that you haven't bucket list tracks where's one that you want to you, you've always wanted to ride on or i know one time in a year or two i'm gonna get on a stakes horse there where's it gonna be uh you see i've been to santa anita but never rode a race there and that would yeah. definitely be the top for me uh the background the, right With the, the, mountains. the mountains in the backgrounds just unbelievable um that's that was home track. I, grew up, I grew up five minutes from uh from Santa Anita. That's actually where my mom and dad met each other. My mom sold the digest in the front every day. My dad was a DJ gambler, just like me. He would walk in and, and ask her out on a date every day. So that that's home court for me is, uh, is I, over I gotta at Santa Anita. I got to tell you, Gino, too, what, what worries me about that is how much longer is that track going to be there? Like, I know. That's, I so mean, that property's worth so much money at this point and with the dwindling fields and everything, it's well, just, and I would hate to see a track like when, when you see a track like that go away, I mean, Hollywood park was its own historical track and to see it go away, it wasn't great, but like to see Santa Anita go away. I mean, like that would be unbelievable. We've actually seen um, lane, a lot of horses from in Southern California, even go to Sam Houston and Lone Star, you know, like, start to move out that way because there were like some more opportunities for them. The money in Texas has been really good the last few years. It has bumped. So I've, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the Texas racing out there. I love the product and everything that they have done. And that's somewhere that you've kind of been home. Can you sense it over the last few years with just better racing, better horses, more, more people paying attention to Sam Houston and Lone Star? 
I really think we fly under the radar as a circuit. I mean, yeah. you have so many you have so many top trainers here that have horses. Uh, the riding colony, I mean, it's as good as anywhere, really. It is. And, um, you know, a few years ago, when I first came here, the money wasn't that great. I mean, we were running for $21,000 allowance races. And uh, I, I like to think I came at the right time because two years into being here, they really bumped them up. And the quality and, you know, how challenging it is to be here has just gotten so much tougher. Yeah, I, I've got a question, too, about Sam Houston in particular. Tell me about this turf track. It looks on TV like one of the nicest turf courses in the country. Um, I know you've ridden at a lot of places with a lot of different turf tracks. Um, I live five minutes from Keeneland. Keeneland is kind of like my home track. Obviously, we've got a fantastic turf course there. But the way it pops at Sam Houston, like it is it really as nice as it appears on TV? Um, on its best day, yes. Um, if there's any kind of moisture on it, sometimes it could get chewed up real good. And uh, I think that's an issue we had actually this year. Um, when we were moving the rail out and in and we had significant weather, uh, it just got chewed up to the point where we used it so much that we kind of lost it towards the end of the meet, but on its best day, it's really, really great to ride all around. It does. It looks gorgeous, man. They do a great job out there. Okay. Uh, you So you said you don't have too much problem with, with the weight. When you have a big day, you just won a stakes race out at Sam Houston. You uh, had three winners on the card. You're going to go out later on that night. Where are you going to eat? What are you going to have to eat for a big cheat meal if you if you have one of those? I'm a big steak guy, Gino. Nice. Big steak nice. guy. Medium rare, about eight yeah. sides. That's good for me. Beautiful. Okay. And what, then, cut, what cut What cut? do you get? Ribeye? Uh, I like a ribeye as long as it's not too fatty. Yeah. I'm, I'm that's where all the flavor is, though, baby. The marbleization is where the flavor is at. Those Texans right. will tell you that down there. Okay. Now, you win all the money. You win a bunch of races. You have a, a day or two off, or maybe it's the in between the meets. There's a couple days off. Where do you go for a vacation? Do you is there any place that you like to go and get some time away, or any place that you maybe is on your bucket list to go to in the in the coming years? Uh well, my girlfriend she actually lives in D.C. Awesome. So any so anytime I get time off, I fly out there for a few days. So like in between Lone Star and Houston, I went for a full week. Um. So anytime, anytime I get, I fly out there. She flies here, so got to keep the better half honest, right? You got to make sure that they're always happy. I got to keep her happy, right? Exactly, exactly. See, I, well, I hear, I hear that, Gino, and I'm like, well, uh, you know, what if we named you on a horse at Penn National? While you're I know on to your say in between, to up DC, in the train, on, on the way there, let's trip over there. <laughs> so, Lane, we are here. Uh, to talk a little bit about all the great stuff at FanTac. I'm a big sports fan. Brian's a big sports fan. We do these shows here at Better Than Vegas. We preview sports for every games, for every different sport. And what all of those sports have are shirts, jerseys, memorabilia, ways that people can show support for the teams that they support. Horse racing doesn't really have a whole lot of that until now. And now we do with FanTac. Tell us a little bit about how you, you hooked up with the folks over at FanTac as we pull up your shop here. 
Uh, well, they reached out to me through Twitter, and uh, I'd seen a bunch of other guys doing it, and they came out with some great stuff. Um, here at Lone Star, we actually have a really good following, the fans, and uh, already seen some stuff of, out there of mine and the other riders, so uh, it seems to be working good so far. And well, as we look at Lane's shop, you got the golf cap, which is just perfect. Um, I was going to say, this is how I knew he was a golfer. You've got the golf yeah. cap. You've got the the pullover that's a the golf pullover. pullover. Uh, that's your whole yeah, outfit I was like, this right guy there. plays golf. <laughs> yeah. They basically set up my full wardrobe for me. On exactly. This. You're going to... Uh, please, when we when we see you out there golfing, I want to see like a modeling shot, like a full three at one eighty of you with everything. Um, we have all all the stuff you need. Uh, you got the long sleeve shirt. You got the polo, the pullover, a couple different options for your hats, just a regular tee, and then a, a long sleeve fitted crew. And what's what's cool about these shops is uh, Brian and looking through, they're all different. Everybody has different things. Everyone, obviously everyone's logo is unique, but everyone's memorabilia is a little bit different. It's not just like the same two or three things in everyone's store. Yeah, actually, um, I, I talked to Cameron a lot. Um, in fact, we, we just got off the phone right before this. Um, and, and he tries to do that. He talks to these guys and he says, you know, what are their interests? What do they want on their shops? And that way everybody's is a little different, you know, uh, Last week we saw with Jansen, he's got the swim trunks and flip flops. Like, I mean, like that's starting to come in. Um, and, and so Lane, Lane's obviously a golfer. He's got the golf ad. He's got the golf pullover. I mean, if I've got one pullover in my closet lane, I've got 45 of them because I'm a golfer too. So <laughs> those things are always great in a pinch because I play early in the morning. So like sometimes there's a little chill in the air. I want to pop that thing on, get through first three or four holes, then pop it off and I got a polo. So, so yeah, it's great. Um, and again, I love it just because again, Lane, and, and this is kind of why we started doing this show when we were talking to Cam is like, obviously the horses are, are the stars and you know, the superstar horses, you get a year or two maybe of, of full campaigns and then they're gone. But guys like you and these other riders, you're the stars. You're here every year. You're not leaving after two years. It's time to show you guys some support, too. I know Cam told me the other day that he's actually got a deal with Delaware where they're going to sell Fantac gear on site at Delaware Park oh, this week. Um, and I think like the Texas area is next. He's really trying to work down there because of the popularity of you guys and how well your all's merch has been selling. Yeah. We, uh, like I said, we have a great crowd out here. I already seen some people wearing some stuff and, uh, you know, they, they really give us great support throughout the meets. So I think it's a brilliant idea. Lane 558 career wins. Uh, and as Brian was saying, it's, it's not easy when you start, you're a bug, you're getting a lot of opportunities, and then like you got to start all over again. And what you've done is now you have come off of back-to-back -back years where you had your highest earning years. So it's it seems like you are rearing to go, you're ready to rock, you've been just moving yourself up towards the top of the standings in every room that you're in now. 
So tell us uh, what's ahead for you for the, the next part of the year. Lone Star right now, what's up for the next few months? I'm actually headed to Colonial Downs before uh, Remington oh. Park starts. Awesome. It's, uh, it's going to fit perfectly in between two meets. Instead of, uh, instead of having to sit down and wait for the next meet, I'm going to give that a shot. Um, Get to spend a little more time with the lady too. It's yeah. probably right. She lives a few hours away, so that'll be nice. And you know, nice two month meet. Hopefully, we can knock out some nice wins. Beautiful. And uh, our friend Jessica Paquette, who uh, did a lot of stuff over at Sam Houston, she does uh, the handicapping over there too. Jason Beam is going to call the races. They have an awesome crew over there, so I'm looking forward to it. And they got a really good turf course, and you do great on the grass too. It should be a it's a perfect fit for you. That's a great little meet to go right at. Yeah, I mean, it looks great. There's going to be some good money there. There was, you know, a lot of good horses last year that uh, went on to do some spectacular things. So, um, you know, to get a horse like that or, you know, win a few stakes or something like that would be a huge goal of mine. So, going to give it a couple, go. I got a, just a couple more, Lane. Um, have you ever ridden at Kentucky Downs? Never rode at Kentucky Downs, no, sir. I I've got to find somebody that's written. I should have asked Raphael about it because that turf course is so odd. I want to hear how much different and how hard it is compared to other places. That's um, one where you do be wide in the turf on the turns and it's undulating. Yeah, like they've got like a Daytona turn where it's sloped. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's wild and it's always been like that. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that's – that's one I'm interested in. Colonial Downs is obviously going to have another great meet. They do a great job up there. I mean, Jason Bean, it, we need more people like him in horse racing because, uh, you, you know, the way he promotes everything is is fantastic. Give this man a follow on Twitter at Lane J. Luzzy. Algebra, Diamond Bachelor, Hawaiian Typhoon, Goddessy Red, Deviant, Warlock, Doc, Cowboy, Bling, Gold Speed Go, Singapore Flash, Gypsy Eyes. Some of those names ring a bell, Lane? <laughs> yeah, no, those are all good ones, every single one of them. Those have been uh, horses that we've seen this gentleman on in the winner circle. You've seen his name so many times in the past performances, in the programs, in the entries, but you probably haven't heard him talk all that much. That's why we love doing this. Now, hopefully, you know a little bit about Lane Luzzy, a little bit more about Lane Luzzy, and, and he is one of my absolute personal favorite riders to bet on. That's one thing, Lane. I say it out there. I'll tell it to you. I'll tell it. You are one of my guys, man. You you do so well when you're on a horse that I like, that I think is going to be in a particular spot. You always seem like you're there. You always give a, a horse a good, aggressive ride. So as a handicapper, as a gambler, I'm very, very happy to put my two bucks to win on you. And I think that's what we all want as riders. So Keep kicking butt, my friend. Keep doing a great job out there. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll be seeing Lane all over the place, and you're going to be seeing him in the winner's circle. Make sure to head on over to Fantac.com slash shop, and you can click on the Lane Leslie shop, and you'll be right here looking at all that memorabilia. I want to see people lining up at Colonial with those Lane Leslie hats, turning for home, rooting Lane home down the stretch there. And uh, don't forget to give up Go ahead. Gino, don't don't forget, promo code BTV gets you 10% off. There you go. Save a few bucks while you're at it. Check out Lane's shop and save a few bucks with the promo code BTV while you're at it. Flip on those notifications and give us a follow on BTV Bets because we have these Riders Up interviews for you every week with different jockeys that we get a chance to talk to. Lane, buddy, you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you soon.
Thank you, guys. You too. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again today, folks. Brian and I will be back again with you next week for more Riders Up. Head on over to Fantac.